I don't know how it's felt to have it. I don't either. <laughs> All right, here we go. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Go More to Say with Tara and Haley. I'm Tara. This is Haley. Hi, Haley. Hi, Tara. I have um, a bit of a serious question to ask you. Okay. Since the last time I saw you, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen each other a couple times. Mm-hmm. Have you listened to no. All Too Well yet? <laughs> I have not had the time, Haley, and I'm oh, so sorry. It's not that long of a song. It's a 10-minute long song. No, there's a five-minute version of it you as well. You sent me the 10-minute version. I sent you the 5-minute version the other day because I was easing you in. <laughs> well, Just goes to show I you didn't click into it. I did not. I saw that you sent it and I was like, okay, I will listen to it. I told you I was gonna hold the audio files. You did, hostage. you said you were gonna hold them hostage until I listened to it. This time I'm actually gonna do it. Okay. <laughs> That sounds good. It's because you're going to like it. You're going to oh, like it. Oh, no, I have it. no doubt in my mind I'm going to like it. I just am a busy lady. It just baffles my mind, you know? I understand, but I want to make sure that when I listen to it, I'm, like, actually listening to it. Because I've I, yeah. I talked about this on our Patreon episode that we just recorded, that, like, I have a tendency to tune things out if I am listening to it while doing something else. So I need fair. to actually sit down and listen to it. You know what I mean? I mean, it's fair, but, like, you know. Yeah, no, I, I want to make sure, because I know it's very important to you. Yeah. That I have the time it's, to it's dedicate. It's important to a lot of our listeners. I think it was on our Discord page that someone said that they equally gasped when they heard that you had not listened to our, uh, listened to All Too Well when we mentioned it. So interesting. I think because like I have a lot of friends who really like Taylor Swift. I definitely have some Swifty besties, but I certainly, you are the only person in my life who really <laughs> is like bullying you. Not bullying me, but just like jaw on the floor that I haven't listen to a lot of her music or like not even a lot of her music I'm just surprised that you were on the internet in November 2021 and did not end up in any way listening to all too well Mm -hmm. especially on TikTok like you were on TikTok in November and you never came across any all too well content that was like oh to be fair in November I took a really large step back from TikTok I was working a lot so I wasn't really on TikTok a lot in like the fall of 2021 this makes a lot more sense because i was shocked that you had because like you know red taylor's version came out it was like oh i knew about Taylor that talk i knew about like, that it was yeah like for sure all over and i knew that a lot of people were talking about all too well at, because it was a 10 minute song and i was yeah, like there, Damn. i saw videos of girls like s- screaming it in the streets of new york and i was like that could be tara but she's sleeping on it <laughs> apparently so i don't want to overhype it for you but like it's it's good. No, I don't think you're you overhyping know? it. I think it's Even just, Mandy, you know. who's not a fan of Taylor Swift, mm-hmm. you know, she just doesn't really like her music. Mm. She cried at the 10 minute short film. So okay. that's saying a lot. Fair so. enough. I believe you. I know I will enjoy it. I just yep. want to make sure I have the bandwidth to enjoy it. You know what I mean? Yeah. This week was a lot. We had a really heavy Gilmore to say week we this d- week. We did. There was a lot of Gilmore this week. I, I literally, I was telling Brett because he went on a little, a little trip, a little work trip for a few days. And last night we went out, we had ourselves a little date night because I genuinely was like, I didn't realize until you came home, but since you've left, I literally locked myself in my apartment (laughs) and all I've been doing is working between this and then, you know, my nonprofit job. I have literally not really left my home. And so I was like, I need to go out and be a human. I need a little break. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I promise I will listen to it probably this weekend. I I do feel like a little bit like bad to like overhype something, you know, because when you get to it, you're like, huh. That was it. That was the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I'm going to underhype it and like, you know, it's whatever. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> hey, speaking of Brett, I know in our last episode last week when we were talking about townies, I said that I had braced myself to watch the Bracebridge dinner and then promptly fell asleep halfway through. Yeah. 
Much like Bootsy probably did. (laughs) Yeah, true. You asked me if he liked it, and I told you that he did, but we hadn't really had a conversation about it until after you and I recorded that episode, and he was like, hey, we never talked about that episode. That's like the best episode of Gilmore Girls so far, and I was like, okay. I'm a little bit surprised by that. I mean, it's a good episode, but like, what are the, what are those episodes? favorite episode? But when you think about it, if you think about where he's at now in the series, like he's only halfway through season two, not even. So like what other episodes would he have had? There's the rub. He hasn't gotten to that. Exactly. Or teach me tonight. I can't get started. that arm. Ooh, he's going to love the shouting. And then season three is filled to the brim with like really fun episodes. So. Oh, you know what? I think his fave is going to be deep fried Korean Thanksgiving. Oh, he's he is really going to like that. I think that one's it. So I just thought I would give you all a little update. Yeah. He was like, OK, all right, yeah. I get it now. And I think a big part of it is because of like, I mean, I hate on that episode, but it's, I love it. It's like the Lorelai coming together and like providing for the town, which is what we're talking about today. Totally. So it's like a perfect episode to like segue into this is like, it's, you know, all these, who is it? The people, is it the Bracebridge Society um, or something like that? Yeah, the Bracebridge Group is what it's called. They're supposed to come in for this like event mm-hmm. and they get snowed in. They can't Mm -hmm. go. So she gives it to the town and she puts on this like town sleepover, town lock-in. Oh, which I love. It's just so fun. And and Brett said he laughed out loud a lot in that episode. (laughs) You were a passed out next to him. (laughs) Truly. (laughs) Mouth wide open, fast asleep. But I think that the reason that it's such a fun episode for people to watch is because you start to get all of the personalities of the townies coming out and coming together, right? Yeah. And that's something that we touched on last week, but you just brought up a valid point that we ended our episode last week with, which is that Lorelai is a good neighbor to many of these townies. Yeah. And a question that we kind of posed was, does the town kind of lay the foundation or set the tone for how we feel about these women who are the main characters in this series? Which I would say, absolutely. I feel like they set the stage for a lot of what we're about to consume. I feel like in a lot of the ways, like the the members of the town are like kind of meant to be us, the audience, and like guiding us towards how we're feeling about them. Yeah. And how they react to them is how almost like the writers anticipate their audience like reacting and it's almost it's almost like a laugh track and like a sitcom a little bit yeah where it's like we are part of it and mm-hmm. reacting to what's going on like totally. as like either like shocked as they are or like surprised and excited mm-hmm. wow I didn't think of it that way you're you're right I think it's an incredible tool that the writers used and that Amy used in creating all of these characters to give us kind of a foundation for what to expect from the situations that these women are in, especially because it's not a sitcom, but there are circumstances we've talked about on the pod where it acts as a sitcom almost. Because the one that like I think of most easily is at the beginning of season two when they're Mm -hmm. all standing in the window outside of Luke's diner waiting for her to tell Luke about the engagement, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Interestingly, before that, when season two, episode one, Sadie Sadie opens up, I mean, that town looks so magical and everyone's decked out in the daisies. Those millions of daisies. <laughs> yeah, not not 1,000. <laughs> Were there any daisies left in California? Definitely this? not. Valerie has stories about that. Oh, I can't wait to have her on. But actually, speaking of that situation, we have talked about on the pod and even on our Patreon about Max Medina and about how his proposal was actually 
actually not that great. And when you think about it, the way that the town reacted is kind of the reason why I think that proposal is romanticized. Yeah. They they were just dripping in these daisies. They were eating every ounce of it up. And then they were the ones to be like, have you told Luke? Let's go see. Let's go watch her tell Luke. It's supposed to be a big deal. And the town is kind of the the town as a whole is the character that sort of leads us to water in that way. Right. No, definitely. Because, yeah, we could go on and on about this Max proposal. But like ultimately what's so like it's not until season two that it feels romantic. I mean, arguably a lot of people say that like the sitting and the thousand daisies, the room full of daisies is romantic. Mm -hmm. But we we tend to disagree on that but it just it's the standing outside of the windows that gets it for me that like they're all like pressed in like what is she gonna say what's gonna happen because like as we're like witnessing on patreon it's like kind of like the tension between her and luke doesn't feel as like it feels like they had a little bit to make up for Mm -hmm. like when we get to season two so it almost feels like the audience is doing that for the writers Mm -hmm. like maybe they didn't build the tension up enough throughout the season so the town is overcompensating for them yeah right. I think so you're totally right and then interestingly at the end of that situation in the road trip to Harvard when they return to Stars Hollow the entire town literally emerges like the freaking munchkins from the Wizard of Oz yeah. they like come out of hiding and they're like oh my god Lorelai's back my favorite's Kirk who's just like do you need a hug as they drive by and like Patty putting you know her hand on her chest and wiping yeah. her tears you know like they're setting the tone for this to be a sad situation situation even though Lorelai is not really acknowledging that this is a loss you know so what other instances do you feel like the town sets the tone for specifically Lorelai I I think we could do an entire episode about how the town views Rory and how that kind of almost was a little bit of a deficit for her yeah but that that is a whole kettle of fish to unpack I think it mostly like revolves around their romantic relationships because like to the whole like Rory effect like how did they treat Dean after they broke up and it was like not even really all on Dean part of it was on Rory and they were like no she's an angel so like there's like that whole aspect of it but I think that like the same thing with Lorelai is when it comes to her romantic relationships because like they are a little bit of like busybodies and so like they want to know what's going on with like the Max engagement but when Luke and Lorelai actually get together in Written in the Stars they're like shocked that no one in town is talking about it Mm -hmm. like they don't witness anything and then they get to the town meeting and there's a whole town meeting about Lorelai and Luke being together Mm -hmm. and what to do if they break up if they break up if the town is on board with them being in a relationship yeah and they cite the the candy shop owner and the flower shop owner who like (laughs) art brush what a name you're right and I think that that's like another instance of like where the town plays the role of the audience Mm -hmm. of like it's almost like we've been waiting all of these seasons to see these characters get together and now it's almost like we're getting to have a conversation in the show of like what happens if these two break up Mm -hmm. they're so integral to the town Mm -hmm. that if the two of them split up what would even happen Mm -hmm. well and ultimately we do get to see it it. yeah but no more so than the ribbon counting Mm. the town literally like divides and like team Lorelai team Luke totally in the same way that the fandom always breaks off into teams ourselves yeah you're right and then the second time that they break up when she decides to gravitate towards Christopher and ultimately dates him marries him 
brings him into the fold of Stars Hollow. Did they actually get married? I know. <laughs> the legality of that. That's true. <laughs> but we do kind of see how the town reacts and receives that. That sets the tone for how we receive it as well. I mean, we were already going to receive we it poorly as it. an audience, A, because it was season seven, and B, because we didn't want that anymore. At least, I, I mean, I'll speak for myself, but I think a lot no. of people share in that thought. Like, nobody wanted to see Lorelai and Chris together. They wanted yeah. to see Luke and Lorelai work it out. I'm sure there are people who do like Christopher and wanted her to end up with Christopher. Or maybe wanted to see what their relationship could have been like. I always kind of wanted that. I think a lot see. of us did, but I think it was a little too late. Like, they gave it to us after we yeah. had accepted that it was never going to happen and we had invested in her relationship with Luke. Yeah. But all of this is to say, the town receives Christopher Ooh. with a lot of apprehension. Like, it's like when you find out that your friend got back together with her ex-boyfriend who you <laughs> kind of shit all over and you're like, and you're like plastering fuck. that fake smile on being like, good for you. I'm so happy for you. Here's a welcome Let's wagon. Forget, like the last month of shit that I said about this man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And they watched him walk in and out of their her life, like, for the past however long. I mean, when you think about the day that he arrived, it was the hottest news on the block. Like, no one has forgotten that his car got his card got declined at Andrew's bookshop. Like, no one, no one forgot that. So when they pull up with that welcome wagon and Lorelai is, like, so offended and Chris is like, why? This is great. She was like, this is not, this is not a good welcome wagon. Yeah. And then the knitathon is that the same episode? I think it's the same episode. I, I don't remember. I never watched. I don't season like seven. this episode because it's really Chris heavy. I don't give season seven a lot of credits, but I really did like the concept of the welcome wagon, like mm-hmm. being a literal actual an wagon actual wagon. Get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, <laughs> that was great. for sure. But when he does donate the rest of the money for the knitathon to be over. Like, oh my God. the way the town reacts to it is just kind of like, okay, I guess we're going to go home now. Like, there was no space for the town to support Lorelai's relationship with Chris. No. And so we as an audience already, we're not on board with it, but now we're extra not on board with it because the town's not on board with it. Yeah. How did you feel with, about him, like, literally just, like, paying the rest of the amount for... <sighs> I thought it was really generous, but I don't think he understood how it was going to backfire, which was a testament to the reality that he didn't understand the town of Stars Hollow. Yeah. It's not that they can't necessarily afford those things. And obviously, like, you know, Christopher is very, very wealthy and much wealthier than many of the people (laughs) in Stars Hollow. However, it's about the spirit of the thing, right? Yeah. It's about the event. It's not necessarily about saving the bridge or whatever it was they were doing or raising money it's more for about a tarp for the bridge wasn't it no that's the dance marathon oh you're right yeah i don't remember what the knitathon was for me neither but it's it was more about the event itself it was less about yeah. the fact that they needed the money they just love coming together and doing things so him donating that was so generous and he was like yeah why wouldn't i it's a no-brainer i have the money i might as well you know give it to this cause and for them they were just kind of like oh so now we just don't knit anymore <laughs> okay. and that's how we all felt like you're yeah. just gonna like yeah okay cool yeah Great. and and so like these are just a, a select few amount of instances where 
the town really sets the tone for how we as an audience yeah are meant to feel maybe not meant to feel because amy is really great about giving agency to the audience to kind of interpret it however they want to that's out of a writer's hands like you yeah. put something out there i do think a writer has like an intention with how they want it to be received of and course. i think that the most control that they can have over it is by putting it in this, this sort of like device of the of the town to mm-hmm. kind of like march you down the right path a mm-hmm. little bit yeah because i kind of feel like there's a lot of townies that do that in like some respect but i have to like ask myself like when you're like within the narrative beyond it being potentially like a storytelling device that they're using Mm -hmm. is like why are they doing it yeah why do they care so much like well i think that we have to at least acknowledge the fact that like these are the two main characters in the story and that's why yeah but (laughs) for sure like you said from a narrative perspective yeah is lorelei a good friend or is she just a good neighbor? And the answer can be both. And it can also be yeah. somewhere in between. And for certain people, it can be she's a good friend and a good neighbor. Or she's a good friend or she's a good neighbor. You know? Yeah. We asked our Instagram followers. And most people seem to say that she was a good neighbor. Or that they wanted to be her neighbor. I there agree. were a couple people who were like, meh. No, mm-hmm. wouldn't want her. She's a taker. Like that sort of idea. But that's interesting because when you actually think about the ways in which she has shown up for the town, mm-hmm. that list goes on and on and on. So many. I mean, who makes all of the costumes for everything? It, she literally will drop anything to make costumes for something or to mend somebody's whatever. Yeah. She lets them use her house for that rummage sale in Concert oh, Interruptus, which we're about I to break that. down on Patreon. <laughs> I know. I know that gives you anxiety. But I like she lets she lets them do that. She participates in all the town events. Every event. Rory participates in a lot of them too. She dressed up as a pilgrim. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they go to all the town events. Yeah. Like they're like if not a booth, they go to like the reenactment when Kirk is the whore. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. They, they attend the a lot of events. Yeah. yeah. Um she does the Festival of Living Art, bit of basket, dance marathon. Like she's always the winter there. carnival in what's it called in season six? The yeah, the Winter Carnival. Yeah, yeah. I always forget there was a Winter Carnival with um, Jess and Dean, too. And Clara, but, your favorite lady. Yeah. Um, she had to skip that, and she was upset about it. Either way, they participate in a lot of town events, and Lorelai specifically is always willing to kind of drop whatever she needs to do, not even just for the town as a whole, but, like, she waters that guy Dwight's lawn and she's always there to help Babette and Maury I mean with the cinnamon's wake well okay so then let's kind of like define those then because like I feel like her making like the costumes for the elementary school's production of Fiddle on the Roof is definitively different than her watering Dwight's lawn but is also different than her showing up and helping to throw the wake for cinnamon for Babbitt and Maury. Yeah. So like how would you kind of define all of those things as like Lorelai's relationship to these members of the town? Rakuten is the most rewarding way to shop and save because members earn cash back on everything that they buy. Rakuten is a shopping platform that partners with over 3,500 stores across every category, including beauty, clothing, electronics, home, department stores, pets, and more. And as you all know, I love shopping through the Rakuten app. 
Every time I shop online, I always start there to see what the cashback deals are. It's incredibly user-friendly, membership is free, and it's easy to sign up. The best part is you can maximize your savings by stacking cashback on top of other deals because the app lets you know what the store sales and coupons are at your favorite places to shop. Speaking of favorite places to shop, I love shopping Anthropology's post-holiday sale where they put their clearance on clearance. This year, not only did I get savings on top of savings, but I also got cash back by shopping their sale through Rakuten. Cashback rates are changing daily, so make sure that you check their site or your app to snag the best deals. Start all of your shopping at Rakuten.com or get the Rakuten app like me to start your saving today. Your cashback really adds up. I don't know what it is, but cowboy boots are magic. Since they've arrived, I've worn my Tecovis boots almost every day. I have the Annie in Midnight. I know you have the Annie in Bone. I do. But they make me feel so powerful because, of course, it is my dream to be a cowgirl. Yes, I know this about you, but I also know (laughs) you've told me that you wear them while you write your book. I do. I wear them all the time because I also wear them when I get dressed up or when I'm sitting at my desk recording the podcast because they make me feel so bold and brave and like I can do anything no matter how I style them. Tecovis has carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality that you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service with boots for men and women handmade from the most premium leathers. And if you dream of being cowgirls like us or you're already Western to your core, Tecovis is the perfect brand to start with because they believe in Western for all. They don't only offer their handmade boots, but all sorts of head-to-toe Western staples. Perfect jeans to go with your boots, pearl snaps, bandanas, and cowboy hats. You name it and they'll get you out. Fitted. And if you can't make it into a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. So visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. And as a special opportunity for our listeners, Tecovis has said that they will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on tecovis.com. Just use the code Gilmore at checkout. That's G-I-L-M-O-R-E. It's about a $30 value and they sell fast, so they're always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter code Gilmore at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tecovis. Only at tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. Haley, I feel like most of our followers already know that we don't really drink alcohol, but we do love a fun beverage. Oh, we do. Both of us think a fun beverage and a chill night is the epitome of a good time, especially when that drink is a recess mood, which is a delicious sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like mood-lifting magnesium and stress-balancing adaptogens, so you can relax without the alcohol. I drink mine every night while reading, of course. Tara, tell everyone how you enjoy yours. Honestly, I usually drink mine while we're recording the podcast. (laughs) It's my favorite way to enjoy a recess. And all of our besties can get 15% off the Recess Mood Sampler Pack at takearecess.com slash GTS. Recess Mood is made with real fruit and comes in four delicious flavors like strawberry rose and raspberry lemon. But my personal favorite is the grapefruit tangerine. And with only 20 calories and no added sugar, it's the perfect way to chill. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash GTS and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. Well, that's a really loaded question because then it begs the question of who she's a friend to and who she's just a neighbor to. Because you can be a friend and a neighbor or you can just be a neighbor. Yeah. So where's the line there? Because I feel like when it comes to like Patty 
Babette and Maury, like maybe she started out as a neighbor, but these people became her friends. But I would not consider Lorelai and Taylor friends. Well, see, that's that's kind of where I feel like like defining it as friends and neighbors is like too specific mm-hmm. because I feel like when it comes to like Dwight definitely a neighbor for she sure. doesn't really want to do it he's going out of town he's new there and she like you know she's not going to turn him away because he's so eager and so nice and mm-hmm. she's like you know she she's willing to do it but she doesn't really want to right definitely a neighbor then when we come to Babette I feel like Babette is someone she would like a hang out with maybe mm-hmm, mm-hmm. b she like really cares for a lot and like she especially like in cinnamon's wake when they're sitting there having that conversation and they hug like i would definitely consider them friends but when it comes to taylor i feel like taylor maybe defines lorelei's relationship with the town the most Mm. her relationship with him because it's less about being a friend and being about less about being a neighbor and more about the fact that she ran away from her family and then found a huge family because Mm. i wouldn't necessarily say that taylor's her friend they are not gabbing. They are not going to go get their nails done. They're not getting brunch together. But she, because like, he's like such an antagonist to her. But at the right. end of the day, he's kind of like a, just her, her strange uncle. Yeah. Because I think to that scene in um, Tippecanoe and Taylor 2, mm-hmm. when he's sitting in the soda shop spraying whipped cream in his mouth because she realizes no one's going to vote for him. And this is all he has. Yeah. And so she, like, goes and forces people at the polls to vote for him. And he ends up getting only 10 votes because Lorelai was the one that was like, fuck, like, he needs this. He can't yeah. get zero votes. This is his whole life. And so I think in that moment, I wouldn't define them as friends, but I would define them as family. Mm. That, like, no mm-hmm. matter what they're going through, no matter what how, like, negatively she feels about him, she still doesn't want him to be, like like hurt to the core right she's gonna do something that's gonna defend him in this moment which I think that like that's what it's like a quiet moment you know this isn't something that everyone in the town is gonna see no like a lot of people say that she has like a really big ego and you know like she wants to like be seen a certain way but this Mm -hmm. is one of those moments when it's like so intimate that it's like just about her and Taylor it's just about making sure that Taylor's gonna be marginally okay in yeah. that in like in like the way that he's going to be able to continue to be an asshole and be an antagonist yeah that she like cares so deeply for him that like that's like i think that's the difference of like babette taylor and dwight it's like i wouldn't necessarily classify dwight in like town family Mm-mm. she's a good neighbor to him mm-hmm. but with taylor and ultimately babette who i would say is like friend family mm-hmm. taylor's more town family which is yeah. interesting to think that she has like no sense of like true family responsibility when she starts off like reconnecting with her family again right but she has like a strong one with the town totally and they treat her the same way they throw her birthday parties they you know celebrate rory going off to college like they treat her like family and so that is really special and something that I didn't necessarily consider. But I would say that, like, even though, like you said, there are different, like, tiers to each one. And we were kind of talking about this when we were talking about defining townies last week as well. Yeah. That, like, certain people in their proximity to Lorelai kind of shape the way that we consider them as, like, townies, friends, neighbors, family. Um, because everybody's different. 
I would not consider Kirk to be on the same level with Lorelai as Babette. No. But I would consider him like somewhere in between Taylor and Babette because yeah. I don't think that they would like openly hang out with each other. I mean, he asks her on that date and she says Ugh. no, but she cares so much about preserving yeah. his lo- his sweet little heart. I think of that more in terms of like, um, but I'm a Gilmore when they wake up and they're like, I was literally breakfast. just about to say that. I was like, but she'll take <laughs> yeah. him in and kind of treat him like. Like, almost like a little brother. Yeah. You know? In that moment, a child, for sure. Also kind of like her son. Yeah. (laughs) So it's, like, less about, like, they're not pals. Like, Mm. I don't think that Lorelai would, like, go to Kirk with her problems. Like, unless it's, like, termites in her house and that's his job. Or unless she needs someone to explore why the battery on her car is dead. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, you're totally right. On, like, the spectrum of, like, Taylor to Babette, Kirk definitely falls closer to Babette. Yeah. But not quite where, you know, I would say maybe, like, pretty definitively, like, right in the middle. Mm -hmm. Who would you put on, like, either side of Kirk on that spectrum? Gypsy. Gypsy. Closer to Taylor? (sighs) Closer to Babette. Mm. I'd put her closer to Taylor. Because I do think that Gypsy and Lorelai would hang out. Like, she called Gypsy to come over for her mother's bachelorette party. You <laughs> I think know what she I mean? just needed another body. I know, but she wouldn't have called Taylor for that. Yeah, you know? girls' night. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I go back and forth on that, because my instinct is to put her closer to Taylor. Mm. You know who else I would put closer to Taylor, but I don't know? Mrs. Kim. Mmm interesting it's hard because their connection is about motherhood and i do think their relationship ebbs and flows as the series progresses i think that one's a really hard one because she's not necessarily like a friend of hers but she cares deeply for her daughter Mm -hmm. and mm, yeah yeah that one's kind of maybe that one's a little bit of an outlier it's a tough one actually yeah i think i would maybe put it closer to taylor because like she still i think would show up for mrs kim and for sure her family she shows up her by showing up for lane but like exactly yeah wow mm, interesting now who would you put on the spectrum between taylor and dwight Ooh. maybe um my instinct is andrew mm-hmm. definitely i think that like regardless of the fact that like she is like like taylor is such her and luke's antagonist but i feel like Andrew is maybe not someone that she would quite show up for. Like, Andrew, Bootsy. I was going to say Bootsy, yeah. I even maybe would put Tom the contractor into this because I don't think that he's necessarily someone that she has, like, a a real relationship with. Like, I feel like these are kind of maybe more of, like, I know that hurts you for me to put no, Tom the contractor. I, no, I... <laughs> <laughs> Out there you on the I outside. Tom the contractor. My only no sparkly heart to that is because of the conversation that they have about the dragonfly in. about the end. Yeah. When he's like, I look, I that. really like you guys and like, I'm going to keep my guys working for as long as I can. I just feel like you don't do Fair. that with somebody who is just another person you know I understand where you're coming from on that I think though that I would put him really close to Taylor on that spectrum yeah I would put him on the other side of Taylor though what do you mean closer to Dwight or closer to Babette closer to Dwight yeah no me too me too yeah he's super close but like yeah he I he like Taylor and Taylor are, are spooning but <laughs> Tom and Taylor. I ship it yeah why not right? <laughs> but then like you have to also consider which is a a giant question mark that I always have, that, like, this town is so, like, in each other's business all the time, and yet Lorelai comes across people that either don't know her or that she doesn't know, like Crazy Carrie Duncan. 
Remember when Luke introduces them at Liz's wedding? He's like, this is Carrie. How does Lorelai not know Carrie? It's a big town. <laughs> it is kidding. a very small town. <laughs> you know um, what I mean? Like, yeah, she'll just be introduced to people. And I'm like, wait, how do these people not know each other? Yes. So in one way, you're totally right that like the town does act as sort of one moving piece sometimes. But then there are some factors to it that I'm like, if Lorelai is so beloved by this town, how are there people on the outskirts who don't know who she is when it's so closely knit and everyone's up in everybody's biz, you know? Yeah. There have to be part of the town, parts of the town that like aren't maybe as involved, you know, they Mm -hmm. just live there. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe Crazy Carrie lives on the outskirts of town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe there's like a whole second neighborhood in Stars Hollow. Yeah. That... The suburbs of Stars. <laughs> the, suburbs. the suburbs of the suburbs. Yeah. And um, that's where Crazy Carrie Duncan lives. That's where she gets Crazy Carrie's because she's on the outskirts. Yeah, you're right. You're <laughs> the crazy right. part of town. You're totally right. As opposed to the very sane part of town that everyone else lives but in. But obviously, like, I would put her, I would put her even past Dwight, even though we only see him for an episode. Yeah. Well, I guess she would just, like, be with Dwight. They'd stand together. So something that I wanted to ask you, though, is, like, that came from our, like, Instagram of, like, people kind of saying that maybe she was a bad neighbor. Mm. What are instances that you would say, that like, you would look at, like, this character and be, like, see the validity to that? And it's just like, what what is it about it? Do you think that people overlook these like huge moments where she really is like showing up for the town? I think that that goes back to the measurement between like friend and neighbor. I think Lorelai is a great neighbor. I think where people start to call into question that aspect of her is when we're kind of measuring up how she is as a friend. And that's because a lot of these people that we just talked about, they are her friends, but they are members of the town. The friendships that we really see her forge are primarily with her daughter, but then Suki. And a lot of people like to argue that Lorelai is not a good friend to Suki, which is very interesting because I don't know that I necessarily agree. I mean, I've seen some moments between the two of them where I'm like, yikes, Lorelai, that was harsh. Yeah. But I think that that answer of like, eh, she's fine. Eh, she has an ego. I don't know. I don't think she's a good neighbor. I think that's more about her qualities that they may feel towards her in regards to her being a good friend. But when you break down Mm. her and her contributions to the town and to the people in the town, Lorelai is a good neighbor. She shows up, like we just said. So I don't really know how to answer that question because I can't really think of instances where she didn't show up for the town. Yeah, I I feel the same because I think that a lot of the times... Like we were saying that you kind of have to like define her relationship to the person in terms of like, is she a neighbor? Are they a friend? Is this like someone that she considers part of her like town family? And when you do look at her friends, especially Suki, she falls into all of those. And, you know, also co-worker. So it's like the nature of her relationship is always going to be Mm -hmm. different. And I think in the same sort of like vibe as like, quote unquote, family, I think that Lorelai and Suki have less of like a friendship relationship and more of like a sister relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people, I don't know, they're too hard on Lorelai and how she treats her. Mm -hmm. And like literally like you started this with is like she's the main character. Mm -hmm. So you're going to see all of the emotional ramifications of everything Mm -hmm. she does and how everyone feels about Mm -hmm. her. Because she's in the middle. Yeah. And I think that when people are like, she's terrible, like all of these things that she does, all these people, I'm like, yeah, but if you zoomed in on Babette 
and you heard about everything that she did every single day, you're going to find something that's going to bother you about Babette. We love Babette. We love her. But when you get beneath the surface of a person, you see that they're human and that they make mistakes and have flaws. And of course, you're going to criticize them and criticize the relationships that they have with other people. And I think that because she's the main character she tends to come off as a little self-absorbed. But again, that's because she's the main character. And I do think that Lorelai has those qualities. But I'm curious what instances you think people call back to when they talk about Lorelai not being a good friend, specifically to Suki. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the one that I've most recently We just broke one of of these down on Patreon. In um, Paris is Burning. And she said... um, that she hadn't been in a relationship in a long time and like how could she give advice but like again I feel like that's like such a sister thing to say like it was mean don't get me wrong and she immediately apologized but like I've said much meaner things to my sister so that I won't like put on blast on the pod right now so I think like I get that I'm trying to think of um because people call her a taker that was like one of the things that someone said is she's not much of a giver she's a taker Mm. and I'm having like maybe I'm just drawing a complete blank on this um I'm trying to think of an instance of like where like maybe it's just like her like neediness maybe and you know what maybe people like to refer to this pre-Luke and Lorelai getting together because for the first four seasons they were friends and she did a lot of things for her we sort of talked about this in the episode kiss and tell me Luke and Lorelai weren't better off as friends but a lot of it's not things that she asked of him like when she when she takes when he takes her skates and Paris is burning, or when he like teaches her to fish, like she asks him that, but he goes so like he goes so out, much out of his way mm-hmm. for like simple requests of mm-hmm. hers. Like, you know what I, I mean? I agree with you. Yeah, I just think that people kind of see it as an imbalance of effort when it comes to that friendship. Because I yeah. mean, to be fair. She comes and literally eats at his diner every single day and keeps him in business. <laughs> and then he like Does she pay him? Yeah, that's also a major that's question, real mark. question. But like then he turns around and like comes and fixes all of these things for her. And I think that sometimes because that seems imbalanced, because he's constantly offering to do things for her. Yeah. That might be why people think that it's more of a take relationship than a give and take relationship. But I don't agree. I think I agree with you. I think that Luke offers those services up because he loves her he loves Rory he's an acts of service, acts of service man to that question I feel like part of it is like you can be a taker and be with someone who's a giver mm. and that doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing mm. because I think that like the I guess the balance of it is how the person feels about it like does Luke at all feel in any way like slighted because he keeps providing he keeps providing for this woman that he loves and this friend that he really appreciates uh, it doesn't seem like it that didn't seem he to never be a point that. of contention within their relationship no. so does Suki I was just about to ask that. To that the one instance that I can think of and this was kind of isolated in that sitcom kind of way is, is in the ins and outs of ins when Lorelai starts kind of self-evaluating and panicking because Mia's gonna sell the inn And she feels like Suki's not showing up when she needs to. And she's always late for things and changing the menu. And she starts really talking down to her. I understand where Suki's coming from in that moment when she's like, I'm going to start to cry because you're talking down to me and I have to go. My sister said that to me before. Yeah, (laughs) but you're right. They do have a very like sisterly relationship where they can have those moments together because this also harkens back to, well, I guess harkens forward because this happens afterwards 
when it's in the incredible singing Lorelai's in season four yeah. when Lorelai all she wants to do is just go get her hair cut and she just needs Suki, Suki to show up for the, for the sink. sink because she insisted on showing up to see that sink delivered and Lorelai gets a phone call halfway through her hair appointment and can't get it done and she knocks on Suki's door and Suki's like look I have a baby I didn't know we were going to be doing this right after I had a baby and like you know I thought that I was just going to come in and do the menu and you were going to take care of the rest and Lorelai is just like losing her mind but some of those things are on Suki so even when Lorelai gets frustrated with her I understand that like because Suki's such a beloved character people have a tendency to kind of be like well why is she being mean to Suki and it's like but Suki's also kind of a basket case sometimes so we have to remember that as well Suki needs an assistant yes understandably so yeah I don't know whenever people say things like that that she's a bad friend she's self-centered it just to me kind of further reiterates that like we're just dissecting a woman who's the main character of this story yeah well this is actually probably a really good call out to anyone who wants to call into the voicemail Mm. if like you have an instance of Lorelai being a bad friend or being a bad neighbor or you like have a reason why you think people might see her as either of those labels call in yeah please call in our phone number is actually on our instagram in our bio because this would actually be a really good Gilmore to consider episode Um, Because I would love to hear people's perspective on why they think Lorelai might be considered a bad friend or thrown into that category. Am I just forgetting things? Maybe I I am. Or maybe I just love Lorelai so much that like I have amnesia. I love her. So I don't know. Yeah. There's something about all of this that like, you know, her relationship with Suki feels like very much like sisters, like family. Mm. Like I think that even like, I mean, her and Luke definitely have like a very flirty relationship, but like there's like a sense of like you know there's a sense of family Mm. to that and the way that they fight and the way they react to each other and even with like Taylor and Babette what's interesting about it is she doesn't really have that towards her family in the beginning Mm. my question for you is do you ever feel like that sense of responsibility to family that she seems to have to the town that she in any way instills that in Rory like do you think that Rory at any point has that sense of I don't know like people outside of herself because I think that as someone who like their whole plan their whole life was like get Rory to Harvard get Rory to Harvard get Rory to Harvard and it was never like a well-rounded sort of person where she had a responsibility to people outside of herself it was all about her own Mm self-improvement so sometimes when she would have like relationship with neighbors or friends it was never like I'm not saying she's not loyal and wasn't a good friend at points but I just like don't think that that sense of community was instilled in Rory was instilled in Rory and like building a community I agree and I know sparkly heart at the same time I agree with you to the extent that like once she left Stars Hollow she kind of I mean a lot of us do this when we go to college right we leave our hometown and we don't necessarily come back after like maybe the first year right yeah she occasionally will like stop back in and like come to town events but only really because Lorelai's there yeah and I do think that in the revival when she comes back and sort of settles into Stars Hollow and decides to save the Gazette that might be considered an instance of community but less about that and more about finding her own purpose yeah but I do think that for the first few seasons the early seasons one through three I do think that Lorelai instilled in her 
that sense of community and she was always willing to do it like when she dressed up as a pilgrim and all the things that she lists at the beginning of season four when Taylor (laughs) is like you're the ice cream queen and she's like listen I have done all of these things I can't do it anymore I've got to go to college I'm sorry I love you goodbye um yeah she obviously showed up but I do agree with you that like she kind of showed up because her mom showed up yeah because I feel like a lot of like the her reputation in the town or Rory's is like held to such like a high regard because of Lorelai Mm. that like Lorelai was the one who was like really putting in the effort Mm -hmm. but I think in a lot of ways like Rory couldn't you know like it's it's just something like an adult could do because to that effect like I do think that Rory is a good friend like when we were talking about like all of the ways that she like shows up for Lane and for Mm. Paris and just for even like you know for people in the town like she's still like she was at Cinnamon's Wake. She's like has like a sense of town camaraderie, right. but I think that there's just like a something that her character lacks for me that Lorelai's makes up for completely. Yeah, and I do think that a sense of community is one of those things because you're right. I didn't think about it until you just posed that question that she shows up because her mom shows up, and that's inspiring. Yeah. And like she's still showing up, but when it came down to it, and she was an adult, obviously she will come back and go to visit old man Twickham when he's on his deathbed. No, she doesn't. She because she calls and said old man Twickham died. Yeah, but but doesn't she show up for the actual unveiling of the museum? Yeah, she comes to live in Latinorama. Yes, Dinorama. and that's when she drinks the yeah. punch and gets punch drunk. But she only comes because she's upset about Logan. Oh, you're and right. Paris forces her you're out, right. and so like that's a whole like Paris lane well what events does she show up for after she leaves from college the festival of living art because Lorelai's doing it she shows up because Lorelai's doing it and then they end up corralling her into being a part of a new piece that they've never had before but what other events does she show up for the only reason that I think she comes to vote for town selectman is because of Dean no because Lorelai asks her to but she but I don't I don't think she came to town just because Lorelai told her to I thought she called her and said I need you to come do this yeah yeah, yeah. yeah but but I think it was like a little bit self-interest of well like and also Dean Lane was, was playing too. yeah I'm trying to think of she I mean she came back and say something but that was the town event was that Lorelai was upset. That's true. She comes back for the unveiling of the Dragonfly Inn. Right, because that's Lorelai. Mm-hmm. She comes back for the Winter Carnival. Mm-hmm. She comes back for Suki's um, baby shower that they're, that she bought New Year's Eve decorations yes. for. Oh no, the baby shower, but then also the baby, like the baptism where she becomes the godmother. Oh, right. But you're right, she does buy those <laughs> be- happy new baby <laughs> yeah decorations <laughs> like halfway there yeah, yeah it's, I, I feel like all this to say is like she doesn't have that same sense of like like investing in her community because I don't even really feel like she does that when she gets to Yale like she you know she's Paris and like she becomes friend with Logan and Logan's friends but right. like she never actually in the same way that Lorelai built the community around her did yeah, that right and I feel like in a lot of regards in the ways that Rory kind of like drops off these you know 
in her own self-interest drops off these relationships that it's Lorelai who does have that sense of family Mm. and maybe not even a sense of family maybe that's the wrong word sense of community and sense of like maybe loyalty to these Mm -hmm. people that she kind of fills in the gaps for Rory sometimes Mm. yeah I agree because I feel like when I think about Lorelai's friendships like part of the reason why it's difficult for me to like really evaluate who she is as a friend is because this show is built on the shoulders of her relationship with her daughter being more of a friendship than a mother-daughter relationship right which we've talked about before is impossible yeah and then the only other people that she has like an a friendship with luke which we've talked about suki which we sort of touched on in this episode a little bit michelle which like teeters on being a friendship and a work relationship and then evolves into more of a deeply rooted friendship in the revival yeah but lorelei is also kind of a friend and yes like pseudo parent as we've spoken to in previous episodes to Rory's friends like yeah Lorelai is a pal to Lane Lorelai is a pal eventually to Paris so it's like and it's always when Rory kind of can't show up for them yeah so is Lorelai a better friend to Rory's friends than Rory is to Rory's friends Mm. and we'll have more to say on that in the next episode (laughs) 